The Sci-Fi Film School is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash galacticnetcasts. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. It's Monday, May 14th, 2012, and time once again for another Galactic Netcast. This is the Sci-Fi Film School number 29. I'm Dave Nelson, alongside Anessa Moyens and Matt Stein, out this time. And we both miss Matt terribly, don't we, Anessa? Indeed we do. I wish Matt was here. We're going to talk more about that coming up and some changes that we have in mind for future shows. A slight format tweak. It's still going to be the Sci-Fi Film School, but things may be a little bit different next time. Uh, this is the show where we watch a different sci-fi movie each week and discuss the various plot points and story. And our movie tonight <laughs> doesn't have a whole lot of plot points or story. So we may be a little bit thin on that. Uh, we record the show live on Spreecast.com every Monday night at 7 Central Time. And for our viewers, feel free to ask questions and make comments throughout the show. Either type them into the chat or submit it where it says comment or question. All right, let's get the show on the road, and class is in session. All right, our assignment this week was the 1959 B-movie classic Plan 9 from Outer Space, which we all watched via archive.org. The movie was written and directed by Edward D. Wood Jr. and starred Gregory Walcott, Mona McKinnon, Tor Johnson, and... Vampira. I was going to try to pronounce her her proper first and last name, but um, can you try, Anessa? Can you can you handle that? I can try. I would say Mela Nermi. Nermi. Mela Nermi. Yeah, I think you're right. The film bills Bella Lugosi posthumously as a star, although silent footage of the actor had been shot by Wood for other unfinished projects just before Lugosi's death in 1956. So basically, the parts that you see Bella Lugosi in were filmed way before Plan 9 from Outer Space was filmed. They kind of made the film around these scenes. So if the scenes look very awkward. They don't look like they fit the rest of the film, and there's a reason for that, because they weren't really made intentionally for this movie. It's weird. I wonder if any of the scenes were made for that movie, because the whole thing was just awkward. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the acting was bad. The scenery was bad. The special effects were bad. This movie, bad, 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 bad. Probably the worst movie I've ever seen. And you said something earlier in our interactions on one of the social networks that this makes Princess of Mars look good, right? Is that what you said? Yes, I, it makes Princess of Mars look like the best movie ever. <laughs> And that's stamp and all. That is saying a <laughs> lot. All right. So um, this was released on July 22nd, 1959. Plan 9 from Outer Space ran 79 minutes and was made on a budget of $60,000. It has an IMDb rating of 3.8 out of 10. You can learn more about... You can learn more about... Yeah, it is very generous. I would have gave it a lot lower score than that. 
And you can learn more about the movie via the link in the show notes at galacticnetcasts.com. So let's do this. i got to find the right sound effect. Here it is. All right. That chalkboard writing could only mean one thing. Anessa, tell us all about the movie Plan 9 from Outer Space in your own words. So basically, there's these aliens that come in their little flying saucers to um, try to be friendly with the people of Earth. And um, they try to communicate to us, but apparently we fail to acknowledge their existence. And so they're forced to take further action to make their presence known, to get our attention. Um, And so that becomes Plan 9, where they decide that to get our attention, they have to make our dead rise from the grave. But our dead look an awful lot like vampires for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) They do. The whole point of the aliens contacting us is um, they've been watching us. They see that we've been developing weapons. And they see that our weapons are getting progressively more destructive and we're killing each other. And they're afraid that we're going to stumble upon like a big weapon or, yeah, basically a really huge bomb that will cause the end of the universe. And so they're trying to tell us to stop now before we destroy anything and everything. And um, I don't remember the name of the weapon, but it was something like Solar Benight. Yeah. Um, I heard a couple of different pronunciations. It was like Solar Benight and then Solar Unite without the B. Um, and I don't know if that which one's correct or if one person just kind of didn't remember their lines or what. But anyway, that was basically what I got out of the film. And it uses sunshine. Right. It's, it's the particles of sunlight. And you have to think about, I guess the way they described it is you have the sun and then you have the sunlight reaching Earth, which would be like, so the sun's the gasoline and then you have the gasoline trail going to Earth. And then if we cause the explosion, it would cause everything that the sunlight reaches to explode and whatnot. And so since starlight, as you know, travels far, then it'll go on to different planets and other stars. And it'll just set off this whole chain reaction where there's no more universe. That was, so. that was the only interesting part of this whole movie. They actually explain that really well. And it's a cool concept that sounds very kind of legitimate, like, it's something that could possibly happen. I think they could have just created like a short that consisted of the last 20 minutes of the movie and it would have been fine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. So there you go. Plan nine from outer space. Anessa's explanation. If you want to leave us feedback, by the way, and tell us how bad this movie was, if you actually made yourself sit through this because of our podcast let us know your thoughts on it. Leave us feedback, galacticnetcast at gmail.com. You can call our voicemail at 805-328-3966. Also, we have forums. You can go into the forums at galacticnetcast.com and uh, start up a conversation. Strike up a conversation about uh, the movie and the forums and uh, get a conversation going amongst you and other people. All right, let's play some clips. Uh, in this first clip, we get a little introduction from the crazy-ass narrator. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls 
who survived this terrifying ordeal. Can your heart stand the shocking facts about grave robbers from outer space? And that's actually, I, I've got a little trivia on that, what he said right there at the very end. I've got a little trivia on that later on, uh, a little reveal about the title of this movie. That's kind of interesting. So I got the vibe through a lot of this movie that the dialogue was written for Plan 9 from Outer Space from somebody that just recently learned English. It was just, it was structured. <laughs> the sentences seemed to be structured like how people wouldn't talk in normal life. I think they were trying to make it seem very serious and proper and rather than just sit back and relax and chill. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was weird. They were just trying to get their point across, like the severity of the situation. <laughs> so, I think that's what... What they were trying to okay, do. I'm glad that you saw through that. I, I didn't see through it, so I'm glad somebody did. Okay, so you've got the next clip, Anessa. Um, here, Captain Jeff confesses something to his wife. All right. I saw a flying saucer. Saucer? You mean the kind from up there? Yeah, well, it's counterpart. It was shaped like a huge cigar. Dan and either saw it, too. When it passed over, the whole compartment lighted up with a blinding glare. Then there was a tremendous wind that practically knocked us off our course. Well, did you report it? Yeah. I radioed in immediately, and they said, we'll keep it quiet until you land. And as soon as we landed, Big Army Brass grabbed us and made us swear to secrecy about the whole thing. Oh, it burns me up. These things have been seen for years. They're here. It's a fact. And the public ought to know about it. There must be something more you can do about it. Oh, no, there isn't. Oh, but what's the use of making a fuss? Okay, so he said saucer, but then he described it as cigar-shaped. Make up your mind. Maybe he was describing it as an edge-on thing. I don't know. Okay. Well, sure, give... give I'm I'm trying to think of, like, how. (laughs) You're being very half-full tonight, Anessa. Maybe it's the lack of sleep. That's possible. Yeah, we didn't talk about this at the at the top of the show, but you're like running on like two and a half hours sleep. I'm really happy that I'm still conscious. Okay, let's celebrate that <laughs> by playing our next clip. The Colonel has a lot of questions about the UFOs. What do they want? Where are they from? Where are they going? I wonder what their next move will be. And that's it. That's that's the clip right there. I took out like one part, so the last last question was made was kind of fit with the rest of the questions to make it funnier. Anessa, uh, what do you got there? Well, in this clip, we find out what the aliens are doing and what their plan is. We had to pull in here to Space Station Seven for regeneration. We're returning to the planet Earth immediately thereafter. What progress has been made? We contacted government officials. They refuse our existence. What plan will you follow now? Plan 9. Ah, yes. Plan 9 deals with the resurrection of the dead. Long-distance electrodes shot into the pineal pituitary glands of recent dead. Have you attempted any of this plan as yet? Yes, Excellency. How successful has it been? We have risen too so far. We shall be just as successful on more. The living, they have no suspicion of your movements? We had to dispose of one policeman. However, none of those risen have been seen, at least not by anyone who still remains alive. Okay, the commander dude, or whatever his name was, he was the creepiest guy ever. Honestly, I thought a lot of the characters were kind of creepy, just they're, I don't know, they seemed empty. Yeah, they did. Well, 
That's what you get for not getting very good actors. There was only like maybe two good. <laughs> there was like maybe two good actors in this whole movie, and that was about it. The rest of them were like, yeah, they were like reading off scripts, pretty much. Like uh, I guess the actor Dudley Manlove, the guy that played Eros, was mm. decent. He wasn't great, but I mean. It, at least he had some emotion in his lines, and he wasn't just like the other guys, like, oh, gee, man, I don't know if I should go down there. It looks dangerous. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> oh, <not>. no. <laughs> That's Here's a ghoul. <laughs> That's something else we'll talk about later on, how they walked into every dangerous situation possible. There was... <laughs> they were the dumbest people. These people in this movie were the dumbest ever. Anyways. They really were. Yeah. Okay. This is Jeff and Paula <laughs> having a romantic moment. Oh, forget about the flying saucers. They're up there. But there's something in that cemetery. And that's too close for comfort. The saucers are up there. And the cemetery's out there. But I'll be locked up in there. Now, off to your wild blue yonders. You promise you'll lock your doors immediately? I promise. Besides, I'll be in bed before half an hour is gone with your pillow beside me. My pillow? Well, I have to have something to keep me company while you're away. Sometimes in the night when it does get a little lonely, I reach over and touch it. <laughs> I busted up laughing so bad when I first heard that line. I know. <laughs> Sometimes in the middle of the night, I reach over and touch it. And then there was more after that. I bet she does. I know. The cemeteries over there. The UFOs are up there. I'll be in there. Just had to point all that out. So uh, you got the next clip, Anessa. Yes. Uh, here we meet the world's dumbest cops. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Hang on. Maybe this doesn't mean much, but uh, Jamie and me found a grave that looks like it's been busted into. What? Where? Why, uh, why? Come on, man, out with it. We haven't got all day to waste. Oh, uh, just uh, over there beyond the crib. All right, show us away. Look, here, here it is, Lieutenant. Strange. If someone had broken in, the dirt should be piled up here somewhere. It looks like it's fallen into the grave. Larry, you'll be out of that uniform before you know it. <laughs> I, I just had to stop it there, too, again, to make it sound more sexual than it actually was, because there was more after that. But it's like, you'll be out of that uniform before you know it. <laughs> they were pretty dumb. That, that cop was like, I don't know if this means anything, but this grave is all dug up. Well, of course it means something. What have you been holding back for, you dummy? Uh, in this clip... The aliens warn Earth about what they're up to. Our principal purpose is friendly. I admit, we have had to take certain means, which you might refer to as criminal. But that is because of your big guns, which have destroyed some of our representatives. If you persist in denying us our landings, then we must only accept that you do not want us on friendly terms. We then have no alternative but to destroy you before you destroy us. With your ancient, juvenile minds, you have developed explosives too fast for your minds to conceive what you are doing. You are on the verge of destroying the entire universe. 
We are a part of that universe. This is our last. Okay. Uh, these aliens had the lowest self-esteem ever because th they were all about accepting us. And why aren't the humans acknowledge our being here? Well, I think what would have helped is they kind of buried the lead a little bit. They should have gone into the conversation going, we are going to destroy you if you don't acknowledge that we're here. It sounds like they waited to tell them that. You know, if, if the humans would have known that, yes, the aliens he were here to destroy you, they probably would have said, oh, okay, yeah, we'll talk to you now. Yeah, maybe. But at the same time, if you go and say, hey, we're going to destroy you for the following reasons, and the humans are going to be like, I'm going to blow you up anyway. Yeah. So I, I think they had to try to um, kind of win them over long enough to explain what they're doing. So, That's a good point, and maybe. I wanted to bring up something else, too, um, because another part of the movie, that general was talking to the colonel or what, whoever, whatever, the, whatever their ranks were, and they were talking about how they've been getting these transmissions from these aliens for a long time, and they haven't been able to decipher them or understand them. And I think that was, they never addressed that later on. Like, th that's the reason why we never talked to you is because we couldn't understand what you were saying. In the recording, the alien was like, oh, hey, we see you finally invented this device that we call a robo-something or other. Yeah. And, like, it, it didn't really make sense how the aliens would know that. And they didn't mention that either. Like, oh, we know, like, we've been trying to get a hold of you, but you haven't understood us. So. Yeah. Okay, you know. Away, that's fine. It's, it seemed like the humans and aliens relationship was like every dysfunctional relationship between a man and a woman. It's like there was lack of communication there, <laughs> you know? One person yeah, said one thing, and the other was like, thinks they said something else. Misinterpretation. Yes. Clarification. Okay. They just automatically assume the other party understood. Yes. Good point. Okay. So where are we at here? Um, the humans and aliens meet for the first time in this scene. We did not come here as enemies. We came only with friendly intentions. To talk. To ask your aid. Our aid? Yes. Your aid for the whole universe. But your governments of Earth refused even to accept our existence. Even though you've seen us, heard our messages, you still refuse to accept us. Why is it so important that you want to contact the governments of our Earth? Because of death. Because all you of Earth are idiots. Now you just hold on, Buster. No, you hold on. No, you hold on. It's funny hearing an alien talk that way. I just love it, though, the whole accepting thing. Accept us! Accept us! They just want to be loved. Yes! I think you're onto something. All right, so one final clip here. And one cop tries to explain to another who attacked him. Now, who slugged you? Inspector Clay. What? It was Clay, all right. Only not like we remembered him. Well, his wave was busted into, wasn't it? Next, you'll tell me you saw skeletons. We did, earlier. Now I know you're off your rocker. All of us saw it. The lieutenant, the colonel, everybody. Where's the lieutenant now? We've got to find him. Mrs. Trent is gone. I was left here to guard her. 
Okay, that's that's it for clips. Thank God we're done with that part. <laughs> All right, before we move on to class notes and trivia, the Sci-Fi Film School is brought to you by Audible.com. For you, the Galactic Netcast listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the chance to check out their service. A few books that I have listened to within the last few months on Audible, The Hunger Games, Catching Fire, Ready Player One, I'm currently watching Ender's Game. All very, and, and they're all science fiction. Yes, I know. I know they're all science fiction because it's what I love even when I'm not doing podcasts about them. Uh, what is a book that you would recommend, Anessa? The only thing that I have to recommend off the top of my head is Night of the Living Trekkies. What's the story? What's the plot? Well, there is a Star Trek convention that takes place down in Houston, and there's a zombie outbreak. <laughs> and it ends up being that it's like a, an alien invasion, and so you follow these characters trying to survive, and you've got other characters that are dressed up like for Star Wars. As you would expect at Acon, people don't necessarily dress up as a specific theme. They like to be different. Yeah. And so... Um, you even have the red shirts and the entertainment. Do the red shirts, are they the first ones to die? <laughs> um, without like spoiling too much, there's one red shirt that they come across. I forget his name, but he's the only one of the red shirts left because the other ones died <laughs> and not necessarily because of zombies. Really? So, okay. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I like it. It's it's a mix of genres, it seems like, because it's something that could happen in real life. Of course, a lot of people go to conventions, and then you've got the zombie thing, and then you've got the space alien things. I like it. And it is available as an audiobook on audible.com. So if you want to try that for free, go to audibletrial.com slash galactic netcast. Uh, get that free 30 days and get that free book. And we thank Audible for their support of the Sci-Fi Film School podcast. All right, so class notes. I have a ton of observations, as I'm sure that you do as well, Anessa. I'm going to run mine down chronologically, and feel free to jump in, Anessa, with a comment about mine or with yours. Um, To start off, very beginning of the film, the wife of the Bella Lugosi character died. And that's the first scene that you see is these people at this funeral. And there is these two dudes that you eventually figure out are grave diggers, and they seemed way too happy. Maybe they've been around death a lot where they're just disconnected and they don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. I have no idea. Or maybe it was at the end of the day and they were like on the clock going, guys, hurry up. We want to go home. As soon as you're done there, we can... Yeah, we want to plan him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The lieutenant wasn't very careful about where he pointed his gun. After the inspector died and the lieutenant became in charge of the whole operation, he was just pointing his gun at everybody. And he had no... It seemed like he didn't realize that he was holding a gun. He was, like, pointing it, like, to show directions. And he was pointing it at people. (laughs) He was just willy-nilly pointing his gun around. I thought, you know, if you're a, a law enforcement officer, you kind of are very cogs- con you're very aware of where you're pointing your gun. <laughs> Cognizant. Yeah, that word. 
and it's it's safety is very very much an issue when guns are concerned and he seemed like he didn't care just pointing his gun wherever he wanted <laughs> yeah it it seemed like they were like in general they were all kind of careless with their guns yeah um in most situations, they'd have them holstered or they'd have them pointed at one particular thing while they're motioning with the other hand elsewhere. But, you know, he's just like, oh, and over there, <laughs> yeah. and over here. It was the dumbest thing. So this movie made use of a lot of stock footage, I noticed. Like the scene where the UFOs were supposed to be above them and they were attacking them. The military guns that were being fired, the rockets or whatever they were, that was footage from the Korean War. It seemed like, because you'd see the huts in the background. Yeah, it seemed like a lot of the footage they just kind of found and said, "Oh, hey, this will work here." Let's yeah, that's there. Yeah. Oh, we need more guns. We need military. Let's see what we can find in the in the archives. Yep. Well, I don't think the budget was very much on this, and I'd be curious to watch the movie Ed Wood again, because Ed Wood is basically the movie about the making. Well, it's about Ed Wood, but it's also the making of this movie. So I'm really curious to go back and watch that again, just to get some insight on uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space. In the scene where Eros was talking to the ruler, did you notice that they moved around and it looked like he was moving to see his script? Like his script was like in various places in the room and he would... He, would, he was scrambling for a second to find where his script was. He would lean over a bit when yes. he was sitting. Yes. He did a lot of leaning and, and then looking. <laughs> it's like the scripts. And apparently, Eros was the only guy that learned his line in the whole movie. So. Yeah. It's like the, the rulers, <laughs> it's like the ruler's scripts were like taped to like desks and, and sides of walls out of camera view. But it looked like they were like all over the place where. I don't know. Who yeah, knows? I'm kind of surprised he didn't do this number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With, with the hand in front of his face. Yeah, I know. What is that Let me scratch my forehead as I read my lines. Oh, and you should invade, go to Earth again and try to revive more dead people, which takes forever, it seems like. Okay. <laughs> Did you notice that in their spaceship, they had a wooden workbench? <laughs> I thought that was kind of awesome. They can recycle. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very green spaceship, I guess. That And if you notice the spaceship, how, you know, it's your traditional flying saucer, but it looks like it's solid and there's no windows, yet they were constantly looking out windows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, the set they used for the spaceship and the outside of the spaceship and going to the interior was looked like it was like some kind of building like some kind of like brick outbuilding so that's the reason why it didn't look like a real spaceship and I, I just thought it was funny how they had like all these various electronic pieces that were supposed to run the ship but they were just things that you would find in your garage yep <laughs> <laughs> so they had this random switch that he just kept spinning to get the door to open yep and yeah it, it just like, the here? just how cheap this movie was like the, the the ufos like the first time they showed the ufos you saw the obvious string you could see the boom mic in the cockpit of the airplane 
the 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 worst yep. the and these sets were like the 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 crypt they show the in the in the cemetery was obviously made out of either very flimsy cheap wood or cardboard because you'd see the actual it move when they closed the door it was really bad yep oh one more thing the dead people they moved around so slow that i'm surprised that anybody ever got caught by them because Bella Lugosi character alone with his I don't know if we mentioned this already but he had the he had his arm in front of his face and the reason for that was there was a different actor playing the Bella Lugosi character in the scenes they shot for the actual movie so just that alone having a dead person going after you with a cape in front of his eyes he can't see where he's going obviously you can get away very easily but even that big inspector dude he's the slowest walking person ever and then there's the vampire i don't know like how how could she breathe i mean seriously like how tight that belt was around her waist yeah no wonder she moves slow she didn't breathe yeah and she had to wear that on the bus to the shooting of the film that's what i read in some of the trivia was she got dressed at home got made up at home, and then took the bus to the shooting location for the movie. That's how cheap this was. Wow. Yeah. All right. So moving on to trivia. This is the stuff that you may not have known about the movies that we watch. And going back to, remember the, the first clip I played about how th- that the announcer, he introduces the film with another name, and that's because this movie was originally titled Grave Robbers from Outer Space, but it was funded by some religious organization. Okay, yeah, it was funded by a Baptist church. The church had issue with that title, Grave Robbers from Outer Space. So they changed the title to Plan 9 from Outer Space, and I don't think they changed it until after the film was shot. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. That it was- Funded by a Baptist church. Yeah. That's how <laughs> wacky this movie is. It's just like nobody would fund it, and they had a church to... They, and then it was cheaply done, and just... It, it was a, a mixture of a whole bunch of bad going into this film. Okay, for years, the film played on television in relative obscurity until 1980, when authors Michael Medved and Harry Medved dubbed Plan 9 from Outer Space the worst movie ever made, and I concur with both of them on that assessment. (laughs) Let's see. Lugosi was doubled by Tom Mason, Wood's wife's chiropractor, who was significantly taller than Lugosi and played the part with a cape covering his face, which we already talked about. Let's see. What else? Day changes to night and back and forth in the same scene many times. Did you pick up on that? Did you notice that? Yes, that drove me nuts because it'd be like one scene, it's daylight, and then they'd show back to the cemetery and it's like pitch black behind them. And yeah, that was that drove me nuts. And then you have the car coming in broad daylight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was. <laughs> yeah, there's not a whole lot of continuity and not a whole lot of money to put into the budget, so it looked really bad. It, it, you know, going back to my original point, everything in this movie was bad. Just, just call it bad. Call a spade a spade and call this movie bad because it was bad. Yes. All right. So um, you can read more. There's like a crap load of trivia. I mean, there's a, I've never seen so much trivia on one single movie on IMDb than this movie. So uh, we'll put the link in the show notes and that will give you more trivia. Okay. That is it for 
our assessment of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Okay, so um, on this episode, instead of doing uh, the test, we have kind of an announcement to make, and I alluded to it earlier, and we could use your help coming up with ideas with this. But first, we have to point you to our website, galacticnetcast.com, for links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Google Plus accounts. Also on the website, we've got some science fiction news and a way to support the show by making small monthly recurring donations. And it's all at galacticnetcast.com. And don't forget, go to subscribe.galacticnetcasts.com to subscribe to uh, both the Sci-Fi Film School and the Mega Feed. And we thank you for doing that. All right. So because of our busy schedules and people not being able to watch the assigned movie, we have decided to change the format a little bit. We're still going to talk about sci-fi films and sci-fi movies, but it's maybe a little bit different next time, and this is where you guys come in. Now, one of the ideas that I had was each of us come into the podcast with a movie that we've either seen that week or we've seen in the past, and we talk about each movie individually. And maybe we've seen the movie that you bring to the podcast with you. Maybe you haven't. You know, that's the beauty of it. So that's that's one part I was thinking about. Also, I was thinking about maybe doing some news about some upcoming science fiction films. Well, I kind of like the idea about like the, the movies, um, maybe having each person either talk about a, a movie, like each person talk about a movie, or each person kind of pick out a movie for the following week. Um, I, I also like the idea of talking about upcoming sci-fi movies, but I can kind of see that overlapping with our existing podcast, since we do tend to talk a lot about upcoming sci-fi films. You know, make a considered effort not to mention the stuff that we already talked about in this show in the other podcasts. Because otherwise I'd see it getting a bit redundant for the listeners. I don't think we have to worry about it too much because we've got different hosts on this podcast and we've got different listeners too. I don't think everybody listens to all of the Galactic Netcasts podcasts besides maybe the mega feed subscribers. So I don't think we have to worry about it too much and we'll put different slants on it. We'll you know we'll we'll have the emphasis on movies most definitely. I was also thinking about you know, maybe having a segment on the show where we talk about short films, you know, because there's a ton of people on YouTube, people putting together their own original sci-fi short films. So maybe that make that part a segment as well. So, okay, those are great ideas, all of them. And if you have feedback, we would love to hear it. Uh, you can uh, email galacticnetcasts at gmail.com. Also, again, the voicemail number is... Hang on. Here it is. 805-328-3966. Or uh, talk about it in the forums, too. If you want to um, have a discussion about what the for- how the format should be different, your ideas for uh, formatic changes, forums.galacticnetcasts.com. So uh, if you don't have anything more, Anessa... I think that's it for uh, this edition of the Sci-Fi Film School. I have nothing to add to this particular episode. is like, all I want to do is go to sleep. <laughs> all right. We can end now. That's right. All right. So uh, okay. thanks, thanks for joining us. And uh, another Galactic Netcast is in the can. Thanks for listening and watching, and we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.
Leave your hailing frequencies open and scanners on full because another Galactic Netcast will be approaching your coordinates soon. For more information, go to galacticnetcasts.com.